Are you overwhelmed on your day job looking for a solution out? Today, that's what we're going to talk about is how to get past overwhelm on the job, how to automate and delegate, even when if you don't have anyone to delegate to. This is Company of One, episode number 131. And I'm Dale Callahan, your host. We're here teaching people to think like entrepreneurs, to take back control and ownership of your career. Let's call it what it is. It's about making money. So today we're talking about overwhelm. If there's one thing I hear over and over and over and over, it's overwhelm. How overwhelmed I am. How uh, much I have to do. Uh, It's getting to be that people are saying I'm working longer and longer hours. I'm constantly plugged in. I can't get away from email or text meetings at work, even on the weekends. Constantly have to watch what's going on. Meetings, ugh, what a waste of time. Nothing ever happens. I never get to do my work. If I didn't have to go to so many meetings, I could get my job done. Too much to do and more uh, more coming at me all the time. This is a typo. I'm actually reading quotes from people, and there's a typo in that last one. So, But it's too much to do and more coming at me all the time. I know. I do. I do it. I do it too. I'm suffering from the same problems. You know, and so what I find is, is I'm running a graduate program, as I'm doing multiple things with the university, as I'm running my own companies, I get caught in overwhelm. Matter of fact, many people say, you know, I, I, um, I, I've been in overwhelm, I've gotten out of overwhelm, and I'm finding myself back in overwhelm. That, this is not a one solution all. This is not something you get out of. You, if you've read a book or you've uh, in, in, uh, implemented some strategies and it's worked for you, it's kind of like the weight loss thing, right? You know, so many people have lost weight and then they gain it back. Let's, let's not do that. But we, what we do happen in, in our work lives, we, we tend to we get some breathing room and then things over time – it's, it's more like our closets, right? We clean out the closet, it's decluttered, and then six months later we come back and say, wow, I thought I cleaned this out last week, but really it was six months ago and it's back cluttered. Same thing happens with overwhelm, right? So on the good sense, you've got great company because everybody else is out there. They're either in overwhelm right now or they're about to be, or they've just recovered from it, but they're heading back there. So this is a pattern. And so if you're like me, you're constantly reading books, listening to podcasts, watching videos, trying to learn things to get yourself out of overwhelm. So that's what we're going to talk about today is some simple strategies to get out of overwhelm. And and I do want to focus on the simple. Let's start with a dose of reality or start with two doses of reality, if you will, Um, is meetings. So often the issue is meetings. It's almost when you say the word meetings, you see this scowl and people despise meetings. But here's the bad news. Meetings are not evil. Matter of fact, your company would run less effectively if you had no meetings. I don't care if you're a company, large government organization, whatever you are, or if you're a small entrepreneurial firm, If you have no meetings, you're not going to be more effective. You're going to be less effective. So the question is, how do you make the meetings more effective? So you want to think about 
I mean, I've seen people with these short meetings, you know, these 15 minute stand up meetings like you might see in a scrum project management teams. They might do these kind of things or some longer meetings like we're using in the entrepreneurial operating system model uh, from the book Traction, where the meetings have went from an hour once every couple of weeks to an hour and a half every week. And the goal is to get more traction, to get more things done, to get decisions made faster. Uh, and so it's not really a matter of the length of the meeting as much as it is is being more efficient and useful. But all, all I really want you to do right now is to think about, yeah, it's not that it's evil. It's that they're poorly run and there's poor leadership. I get that. But just stop blaming on the meetings. Blame it on leadership. I'll, I'll be in agreement with you on that one. The second thing to think about, that's the dose of reality. Everyone has the same amount of time, right? That's no big secret. You knew that. But when you look around your company, do you see that some people seem to get it done more smoothly than others? That some people seem to have time? That some people seem to walk around more relaxed? They seem to go to meetings more prepared. They seem to get more things done. They seem to maybe even have more fun. Yeah. They're not evil. They're not, probably not. They're not cheating the system. They're just, they understand something. There are people, so if you look around and you see some of that, and if you don't, they're out there. Uh, that you see, I mean, in our leadership team alone, I'm watching people at the university, I'm watching people who can move through with great ease through the day and other people are running around with their hair on fire. Uh, and, and, and the one gets a, well, I won't judge how much they get done, but you probably can guess uh, that highly effective people don't necessarily run around with their hair on fire. They're just... They know how to get things done with ease. So just recognize we all have the same amount of time. Some people have different styles and personalities. Not that one's evil, but that's just a dose of reality. Don't say you don't have enough time. And don't say meetings are evil. It's poor leadership, and maybe in your case, it's poor leadership of you. I don't know. We'll look at that. Uh, so number two is what I want you to think about doing here. So I'm just giving you steps. Like I, I like to break things down into steps. I know most of us do. So step one is get this dose of reality. Step two is take an assessment. Here's what the assessment should look like. Take a sheet of paper and, and break it down into four quadrants. Or, you, you know, use, use, use four different pages of paper. Use Google Doc or whatever you want to use. And, and, and just make a title of the first one thing of things I love doing and good at things that you really love to do. And if you could just do it all day long on your job, you're, you're good at doing it, everybody recognizes it, and you love doing it. That's your list, and you're gonna write that list down. On the next list, you know, write down things that you're good at, but you don't love it as much. All right, you, you, you can take it or leave it, you're not in love with it, uh, but you're good at it, and people recognize that you're good at it. And then think about things uh, that you so your next sheet of paper, your next title, you can probably guess, is things that you're uh, you're good at, but you really don't like them as much. All right, they're not as much fun. Or maybe you're maybe or no, I'm sorry, I'm saying the wrong one. You you like doing it, but you're not that great at it. 
right? Maybe I'm doing the accounting, it's kind of fun, I'm doing the books for the business, but it's not my skill set. Uh, so that's category. What are things that you can do because you enjoy it, but you're not the best at doing it? Kind of what are the things you shouldn't be doing? And then obviously the last category, things that you aren't necessarily good at and you don't enjoy. So the top sheet, of the, if you broke it up into quadrants, the top sheet of the paper are things you love. The bottom of the sheet of the paper are things you don't love. Or there are t- or columns, you know, one column or, or one set of, qu- of cells, if you will, in a spreadsheet are things that you're good at. And one cell are things that you're, that you're not. Uh, so you can see how these different quadrants go. So what we do and, and what's done in the entrepreneurial operating system that we use, they call this the delegate and elevate exercise. When you just start filling this out, everybody in the leadership team fills this out. Everybody in supposedly in the org fills this out. And we, what we try to want to do is, is figure out, I want to spend as much time as I can at work, not for my benefit, but for my bosses, for my customers, the more time I spend at things I'm really good at and the things I love doing that serve the customer, the bigger the win is for all of us. I do a better job. I like my job better. And therefore, I'm more engaged in my job. That's a win. That's what we're looking for. And the less time I can spend on things I hate and I'm not really that great at, I mean, because those things are probably embarrassing to my boss, right? And yours too. Those are the kind of things that we want to do. So even if I'm serving customers in a true entrepreneurial model, if I'm doing things for the customer that I'm not that great at, don't really enjoy, them very well, right? It's just not working. So this is the assessment we want to do. I want you to do that. Take some time. Uh, and matter of fact, if you can, stop what you're doing right now. I realize that's not practical because stats say people listening to podcasts are in the car or they're uh, they're working out. So, But, you know, to stop and just write down. If you don't remember the proper titles, you get it. I'm good at things or not, and I love doing things or not. Break that up in any categories you want. What you really just want to do is identify man, these are the things I really am good at and really the things I love and these are the things I hate and I'm not that good at, but I'm doing them anyway. And, and let's think about them. So what we're trying to do is this assessment to break these things down. We're not going to deal with anything about that quite yet. We're going to jump into that in the next step, right? We want to just do the next, uh, do this assessment. So step three, just to talk about this to your core customers. That's if you've listened to podcast episode number 129 and 130. I'm just going to go back recently. There's more that talk about this. I'll put some links to them too. But if you've listened to them, and uh, particularly one, uh, uh, um, 130, the last one, where we talk about how you can make more money without using uh, more time, you know, talking to your core customer, understanding what's important to them, what brings value to them, what's a waste of time to them. It's just listening to your core customer. And again, your core customer is the person that impacts your pay the most. Listening to that core customer, what impacts them the most in terms of value? So what we're trying to do when we do that now at this point, and you might have had this conversation before and you're going back again and you're reframing it and you're saying, hey, boss, I've looked at this and and uh, heard what you said. Let me ask you some clarifying questions. Uh, like I told you in episode 130, 
That's normal. You're going to be doing that. You'll always be doing that. So, But what you want to start looking for is where are the connections? I love doing this kind of stuff. And, and probably two things are happening here. Number one, I love doing this kind of stuff in this little category I created. I'm good at it. I love it. And my boss values it the most. One, two, and three, right? That's good. If I'm talking to my core customer, my core boss, and the things that I hate and I'm the least good at is what's most important to them, well, there's a sign there that something's wrong. And probably my boss is not happy with me all the time. Uh, so if you feel bad because your boss is always mad at you and never can do good enough, well, there's your clue. You're just in the wrong job. We'll get to that one some other time. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is getting you past overwhelm. Uh, if you find that out, you find out part of your overwhelm issue is you're in the wrong job, maybe the wrong company. Uh, so what we want to do is understand from our core customers what they value. If you've done the exercises before, if you've done these kind of exercises before and you've kind of getting a clue of that, you're keeping this conversation opening, you're understanding what your customer values, now you understand what you're really good at, what you love and what you don't. And I realize you probably think, well, Dell, I know this. No, you probably don't. It's probably worth your time spending five or ten minutes writing it down. Do it over coffee. It's not that hard, and it forces you to put things into categories that you probably wouldn't do otherwise. So number four, once you've talked to your customer and you're looking the whole time, your brain's working, right? You're looking for overlaps. What you're looking for are things just to eliminate. Right, I said eliminate. Uh, we talked about it last time. We want to do a couple of different things. We want to eliminate, we want to delegate, and we want to automate. Uh, anything that we can uh, that that is not, especially the things we don't love to do. If I can eliminate it, great, and just make it go away. Because And there's no pain. And boy, this happens all the time. I've seen so many times people spend hours generating reports that nobody reads, people spending hours preparing for meetings that nobody ever cares about and nobody gets any value from. Identifying those things and eliminating those things is huge because it gets rid of things that aren't adding any value to you or your customer, and it takes the overwhelm factor off. So eliminate, eliminate. And you might, if you're thinking, well, Dale, you just don't eliminate things. No, I'm, I'm really going to harp on the eliminate because you, you, I can, I can almost guarantee you, there's things for you to eliminate doing, and some of them are probably big things that are taking you a lot of time that you should just quit. They're not adding value. Or maybe uh, it should be delegated. But let's just talk about the eliminate for right now. All right? So step number five is where the delegate comes in. Now, this is, this is the one I love. There's somebody on my leadership team that has people working for them, and they tell me, well, i got nobody to delegate to. Part of, uh, that bothers me because you're a leader, you know, but I won't argue that point right now. Uh, it's somewhat comical. Obviously, I don't bring it up in these terms, but delegate. Now, if you have people working for you, you can have people to delegate to. You can probably get somebody who actually is good at things you're not good at. 
people on my team that I delegate to, they are so thankful I'm not doing those things. I'm not a details person. Um, and un- hey, guess what? And everybody's work, including mine, details can matter. So we've got some great detail people on our team that can really do the details. I'm not the bubbly cheerleader that goes out and does things and, you know, and can go have a little party everywhere and, and well, you get the idea. Uh, but there's people on my team that are. They're awesome. And they can go out and, and they just they bring massive amount of energy into the room as they come in. You know, some of us bring energy as we leave, right? But they bring energy as they come into the room, and uh, and that's what they need for their job. And it's a good thing, you know, I'm just not going to be as good as they are at their job. And so when we delegate, usually that's what we're trying to do is who are the proper people that are better at doing or that love doing those things, and usually those two coincide um, to do those. But if you're sitting there thinking, well, Dale, I don't have anybody. I'm the lowest man or woman on the totem pole. I have nobody to delegate to. Now, even highly paid people find themselves here because you may be a sales rep. You may be an engineer. You know, there's a lot of people who find we, we either, number one, we find that we're in a position that we don't have any employees and we like that because I'm being paid a bunch of money but don't have anybody reporting to me. That's an awesome thing. Or um, the employees that I do have because of my structure, I can't delegate these things. Maybe I have a team of support engineers, and they're all engineers, and I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to delegate financial transactions and budgeting and stuff to them probably. That's not what they're really hired for. That's what I need them for. And maybe I don't have any money in the budget to get an assistant to do these other things. Uh, Maybe an assistant's not the right person. You get the idea. I, there's multiple reasons I might not have a person to delegate to. So how do you do that? Um, so um, a friend of mine was working for a company. He would uh, leave in the evening, and he would come back, and um, he would leave in the evening needing to do a presentation in the morning, have not done any PowerPoint in anything, you know, and and he would come back in the morning and had this beautiful, well-thought-out PowerPoint presentation with these great stats. And, uh, you know, and just it was this thing. It was, wow, that's, that's well put together. And I remember asking him, man, you just worked all night, didn't you? He said, no, I didn't do anything after I left. What he did is he hired somebody on Elance, which now is called Upwork, upwork.com. I'll put a link to that. Um for for cheap now so now he's an employee so he outsourced the making of a powerpoint and this is somebody he it's something he, i learned he did all the time when he needed something done he would give them the data he had somebody he'd worked with many times and i'm talking about cheap i think they were in the philippines so it cost him a whole 20 bucks or something to get this done um and and so now he's got this presentation because he handed off the work they got the back data for it, and um, since they're on a different time scale, you know, so they were doing their work during the day, when he gets back, it's pretty much done. So my point of saying this is just in the concept of delegation, it doesn't mean you're the boss, and it doesn't mean you necessarily have to have somebody to delegate to. Uh, Some people decide out of their own paychecks, it's worth their time and energy to write a check to Sally or Sam or somebody else to do the work. 
Right. I mean, as long as you're not sharing data that shouldn't be shared and all doing all those kind of things, uh, you know, sharing sensitive information, uh, those kind of things are done all. You would be shocked how often people do stuff like that, that they outsource some of the grunt work of the work they do. Now, I wouldn't outsource financial data or something like that, of course, uh, but you can play games here and make good judgments of what makes sense and what does not. So think about the typical software developer who's getting onto GitHub and they may be needing to write some code uh, to do some particular task. They get onto GitHub, they find some code that's already been written, they download it, they modify it for their own purposes internally, and they use it. That's kind of the same thing, right? They've made good use of the work that's already been done. They, in a sense, they've delegated uh, because they, they're on these free sharing sites where they're finding information. Lots of companies highly support that kind of activity. Uh, so, the, uh, so that's the delegate side of things. You got to eliminate and delegate. The last thing I want to leave, leave is, or to hit here, is the automate. Um, so uh, there's somebody on my team that she does career services. Her name is Deslin. She's awesome. She reaches out to companies. And she's one of the ones that's told me, hey, I'm just totally, um, I'm totally overwhelmed. Um, and I, I remember telling her, I said, you know, you can't, you can't keep taking on more work. You, there's a limit. Now, sometimes your overwhelm comes from you doing too much intentionally. You're, you're your own worst enemy. You hear things and you think you need to be involved in them. I told Deslin, I said, just because you come to a meeting doesn't mean you should have an action item. Sometimes you just need to be informed, and that's why you're at this meeting. Sometimes you don't belong in this meeting at all, and you realize that. But every meeting you do go to does not mean you have an action item because that's her style. She's she's a top performer, and she thinks if she's there, she needs to do something. That's not always true. Um, so that's a side beat. But let's go back to the automate. Is we started looking at how can she automate a lots of different things. So I'm gonna give you some simple tasks that are sometimes automated that you may not think about as automation. Um, doodle polls. You know, you're trying to set a meeting with people and how many emails, especially we get a couple of people together, I'm trying to set a meeting on day X for or time Y and we pass back tons of emails. When we could have gone over to Doodle and done a Doodle poll and send it out and lock down a date very quickly. And I know there's tools like Exchange servers and there's you know shared systems that allow you to do this sometimes. But when you're dealing with people inside and outside the companies and outside of inside of your own servers and systems, it's not as easy. So Doodle polls, we I mean we use these all the time in the university, even though they were on similar calendars. Uh, so this is an automation tool. I mean you might not think about it as an automation tool, but it automates. Uh, your ability to collect data with fewer emails. And so you do a second, send it out, boom, we got the poll. Hopefully you've all used one. There's a tool called Calendly. I'll put a link to this so you can spell it. Calend, like calendar, but without the E-R, it's the L-Y, Calendly. Uh, and there's, other, there's multiple tools like this one too, where you can have, uh, let's say you people call you to do uh, phone calls. 
let's say it sells calls, whatever. I have this on my thing, on my email. I have a calendar. I have, if you want to set a meeting time with me, I've defined the kind of meetings I usually have. For me, it's usually like a 30-minute phone call. Um, and I, I say, here's this 30-minute phone call, and here's the times I am willing to talk to people. So for me, it's usually in the afternoons. That's when I'm brain dead enough, I can talk to people, but I'm not going to do my best thinking. So talking, it's a great time to talk to me. So people will send me, go to Calendly, they'll find a time, they'll schedule a time with me. I can ask questions in Calendly, like what's this meeting for? Uh, how many people are going to meet? What's your number one question you want to ask? These are the kind of questions or I put on there. They fill this out. It goes on my calendar automatically with that data, so I can look at it and see exactly what's going to happen, uh, and, and it goes on their calendar. And so now we've set a meeting between each other, I've pre-prescribed the time, and so again, no more sending back multiple emails or getting an administrator or assistant or somebody involved in doing this. Boom, it's there. If they cancel it, boom, it goes away. Uh, so it's awesome. And, and uh, I can go in and say, you know what, I'm not going to meet people on Tuesday afternoons anymore. I want to make it Thursday afternoons. And I can change that. Uh, so Calendly, great tool. Um, Google Forms is another tool that I see people using a lot. Sometimes they have these common questions they're asking and they just, they'll, they'll put this stuff out there to collect data. Think of survey. Um, so in, in Deslin's case, I'm not sure if she's doing this. She has lots of employers contact her. And she needs to know certain things from them about who they're hiring and, and what kind of things uh, they need to, who they need to talk to. So she can send out a link to the Google form, gather the data. She doesn't have to be on the phone with them. It gives the employer some time to think about what did they need to tell her. Boom, she's got it into a spreadsheet automatically without her having to take any action. So this is eliminate, delegate, and automate, some of my favorite tools. Uh, to, to deal with things, but be cre be creative in the elimination and the delegation, especially the delegation. Uh, sometimes we think we don't have the ability to do that. But yeah, there's a million books out there on stuff like this, some really, really awesome stuff. There's, there's a lot more stuff here that I'm telling you, and there's a lot more repeated stuff of the same thing. That's awesome. And, and hopefully you're like me. You're constantly continuing to learn and to try things because that's the world we live in. It's in technology. We should make it work for us, not us becoming slaves to it. So remember, if you're feeling overwhelmed, um, it's probably just a stage you're going through, but take control. The more you, It's like using a muscle. The more you start taking control of it, the better you get at it. There's no need for you to be a victim. You should be able to take control. You should be able to fix it because that's what being an entrepreneur and being a company of one is all about. It's you taking back control of the business of you. Hopefully that's helpful to you. I will see you next week here on Company of One.